For the ones who work hard to ensure their crew can always go the extra mile. And the ones who get in early so everyone can go home on time. There's Granger, Offering professional-grade supplies backed by product experts so you can quickly and easily find what you need. Plus, you can count on access to a committed team ready to go the extra mile for you. Call, click Grainger.com, or just stop by. Granger For the ones who get it done. Every team, every topic, everywhere, this is Believe. Football might be over, but the NBA, college basketball, and the NHL are in full swing. I'm also going to throw golf into the mix. It's Riviera weekend. We got a stacked field. I put a bunch of bets down. What website did I use? I used betonline.ag. They are the best in the business. They got anything. You could bet reality TV if sports isn't your thing. But most of all, they got options. And that's the best part about it. Betonline.ag is the place to go. Head to the website or use your mobile device to sign up today and receive your 50% welcome bonus on your first deposit. That's betonline.ag. Shout out Max Homa and Brooks Kepka. Throw me the ball and watch what I do with it. What's up, everybody, and welcome to another episode of the Believe in the Long Ball podcast with your hosts, Alan Styles and Orlando Razo. If you're listening to us, you know where to find us, everywhere you find great podcasts. And while you're there, rate us. Give us five stars if you like us. If you don't like us, don't give us five stars, but at least let us know why. What's up, Orlando? How you doing this fine evening day? We're playing off of the listeners. Whenever you're listening to it, just pretend you guys are hearing us say it at the same time as whenever you're listening. Orlando, how are you doing? I'm doing well. I'm doing well. We're coming off um, what I thought was an excellent interview with our guy, Foolish Baseball. Um, Mm -hmm. Our guy, Tatis, just got the bag. So there's really just some good vibes that are flowing. There's some, some great energy in the air right now. Uh, foolish was was great he's got like some nerd swag that mm-hmm. and, and i don't mean that in in a mean way at all it's this right. nerd swag where it's like i'm smarter than you and i know it and i'm kind of a smart ass but i'm also very genuine and nice right but would you agree that he's got the nerd juice that that yeah we there's i mean anything anybody can be a certain type of personality trait if you will or fit in a category whether you're the jock or the nerd or the whoever you are. But the thing is you have to have that it factor and be captivating in what you do. And he wouldn't have the numbers that he has if he didn't captivate people. So that is the sauce, the secret sauce. It's the it factor. We, we know it in sports. We know it outside of sports and by golly, he's got it. Yeah. Him throwing the gauntlet down and, You'll you're gonna hear an excellent interview. Him throwing the gauntlet down on Jeff Passan was just an all-time, yeah, all-time call yeah. out. That might be that's, um, that might be the highlight of uh, the pod this this season. If we're call, if the year is a new season, this season, without a doubt, without a doubt. But before we get to that interview, we have a few things to go over. We also have a surprise, maybe guest. We don't know. We're gonna call him on mm-hmm. the air. Yes, um, because Colin Thoreau. Uh, last night replied i I don't even know how it transpired it escalated quickly 
Yeah, I said he knows he has the invitation to come on mm-hmm. as a third host anytime he wants. And then he said checks messages crickets. So we're going to call him surprise his ass and see how spring training is going. He's actually here right now with pitchers and catchers. So there you go. We'll see how it goes. But first things first, our guy, Fernando Tatis Jr. Mm-hmm. Just got handed the keys to San Diego. They just said, it, it, what good karma to just be like, here, buddy, this is your city for the next 14 years. I don't know how they landed on 14 years, but yeah. this is your city now. Right. Well, first of all, is there a rule? I know it's their name, but is there a rule as to like when we would stop saying junior? Do we ever, do we have to always say junior? Because I feel like Jackie Bradley is a junior, but I feel like you lost the junior. I feel like when you I have just a call kid, him Jack Brad. I feel like when you have a kid, or 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 it's just like a case by case. Like Ken Griffey Jr. would never lose Jr. I feel like Fernando Tatis could lose it. Yeah, he could. I think it's already. Yeah, I think you're right. That's a good point. It's already. He's already starting to shave off the Jr. And right. he's just. He's now Tatis. Like right. Fernando Tatis Sr. was an excellent player. Yes. The two Grand Slams in an inning, all that stuff. You know the story. But obviously, Tatis Jr., let's let's be real here. Yeah. And the thing is, you're not you're never going to lose the junior in Ken Griffey Jr. because he literally played with his daddy. Like he played he was in the outfield with his pops. Like he will always be junior. The kid. Right. Like, right. You're not going to lose that. Um, But yeah, man, it's crazy. I'm super juiced for San Diego, super juiced for Tatis, super juiced for baseball because we love to make baseball fun. We love the guys. We love the bat flips. We love the stare downs. We love everything about it. We love the dancing in the dugout. And he represents all that. But he still represents what we all care the most about. The kid can flat out ball. Because all this other stuff, that's, and to, to anybody that's still playing, listening, all that flashy stuff is fine if you can back it up. And he backs it up and he has backed it up. So that's what the only time he got in trouble is hitting a, a grand slam flashy i mean not oh, in my yeah. opinion i mean we we don't we're not even going to get into that but that was the only thing that i can recall in this situation with tatis he does everything um the right way he's improved each and every year i am interested though it's one thing when you hear the number and you hear 340 million it's a lot of money you can do a lot of things with that type of money it's another thing when you think about the years and you think about the fact that He's going to be there till he's 36 or this contract is until he's 36. Yeah. that was, And I thing. believe there's a no trade clause for most of it. So the, I believe that, I mean, they want to get guys out of shortstop after 25, it feels like 27, 28, you're up out of there. Do you think there was any discussion down the road of, Hey, like, unless you are Derek Jeter, you know, we may have to move you because literally he would have to be Derek Jeter to not be moved. Cause at the end of Derek Jeter's career, the numbers supported that he should have been moved to probably second base or something like that, but you weren't going to move Derek Jeter because of all the things he had done. So I guess my question is if he's a super baller, super baller defense kind of wanes because it, because it will, right. When you're 34, 35 years old, you're in the national league, the, I mean, maybe there's a universal DH until then. Who knows what's going to be going on in whatever 20, whatever year that is. 
I'm sure there was no talk about it, but you're 33, 34, 33 and up. Hey, you might not be there at shortstop, but you are still getting cashed out. You might not care, but some people do care. Yeah, I think it's more of we're just going to cross that bridge when we get there. I think for now. That's uh, how old is he now? I don't even know. He, he's 22. So he'll be 36 when it's done, though. Yeah, so I, I think it's, I mean, he's going to have a decade at shortstop, and they're just I, like, we'll, we'll figure it out yes. you know, as we go along. But for now, it just, it's so in, in a time where you just see all these guys, I see these headlines of arbitration cases, you know, Braves win arbitration case over Dansby Swanson. Giants. And what the headline should uh, over Donovan, Donovan Solano. Solano, it's like it should read, you know, Braves win court case over franchise shortstop or Giants win court case over best hitter other than Yaz, I guess. Right. Or second best right. hitter. Like Giants win. The, Giants successfully are cheap. Right. They successfully <laughs> take their one of their best players to court. Yes. Like that should yes. be. So in a time where all this shit is happening, it's just good. And from a business side, you could argue whatever, man. I'm arguing it from the human side. All right. That's how I look at things. I look at it from a good energy standpoint, mm-hmm. standpoint from a good karma standpoint. That's right. And from a karma standpoint, man, it is nothing but good juju. That is not telling your baby, hey, we're taking care of you. Take care of your family and take care of our city. And let's go win some fucking championships. And it's San Diego. Arguably... I mean, it's top three, and it might not be three or two. Arguably, top three most beautiful cities in the United States. Gorgeous. In the United States. Gorgeous. 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 Beaches everywhere. Everywhere. So here's another question. They're loading up to face the Dodgers for the next year. Between Hosmer, Machado, and Tatis, they are spending 700 million dollars over 700 million dollars between the three of them i know it's san diego and they've had their tough times and they're just now coming back to relevance and i know i keep doing this looking down the line thing so that's just going to be my my shtick for today you look down the line with this roster that they have with this behemoth unfortunately the dodgers have a behemoth as well if you make it to Let's say you make it to uh, some championship games, some World Series, but you don't win one. But you brought an excitement to San Diego that they haven't seen in a very long time. And basically for people like us, if you're our age and you're a San Diego fan, this is going to take you from what's left. I I don't even know if I'm in my youth anymore, but the end of Orlando's youth up until you will have a family and kids. And all you know is the great times you had with Tatis, even though you didn't get one from an organizational standpoint. And you're going to send a butt, sell a bunch of tickets once people can come back and a bunch of jerseys between the two of them. Sure. A little bit of Hosmer too. Is it a success? Is it a success specifically, you know, in basketball, the answer would be no, but this isn't basketball in football it would probably be yes, because so much can happen in football. I don't even know what the equivalent is in football, to be honest. But would you consider it a success? Just a great, great runs every year. Never got over the hump, but like the excitement every year. Ah, 
ah, win a couple MVPs, maybe. Couple MVPs. You know, yeah, yeah. And and you're just bringing the juice every night. That's my, yes. kind of my word on this podcast right now. But from my perspective, I think we talked about this when they got Snell and Darvish. Like, if they don't win a World Series, is it considered a failure? And I always see the asshole on Twitter that's going to say that. Like, there was one guy. I'm trying to. New year, I'm trying to just be positive a lot. You know, I'm, I'm working on that, not, not being well. so pessimistic. Man, I really appreciate it. It's nice to get that pat on the back. Yeah, there you go. But there's always going to be that one asshole on Twitter. I saw one like ESPN producer tweet that it's objectively bad for the game. And it's like, okay, what, what nobody is? like, uh, it's like he, he's in the uh, 17th best media market. So it's objectively oh, bad. Dude. It's like, no one likes you. Like I, nobody likes you already. So just shut up. I don't even know how you got that job. Yeah. Um, take the blue check away. Serious. He did have a blue check. Oh, um, but from my perspective, I don't think it would be a failure. Obviously mm-hmm. if you're on the team, if you're a fan of the team, you're probably going to feel that way if you don't win a world series. Like it, it, that's just the nature of the, of the beast. Like mm-hmm. you're going to feel disappointed if this team never gets over the hump. But from our perspective where we're watching this from an outside, we just love the game. We just love watching the game. You talk about baseball being so cool back in the day with Griffey. Um, and now it's it's getting cool again. We got cool young players all over the place. Mm-hmm. And so from my perspective, as long as he's making baseball cool again, like that's not a failure. That is none an of extremely this. good comparison. Extremely good. And you didn't even necessarily do it on purpose. Ken Griffey Jr. Baseball, those years from N64, Edgar Martinez, Alex Rodriguez, Griffey, Randy Johnson throwing 109 po- miles per hour. They never won one. Do would Mariner? We got to find you're the Mariners guy. Do Mariners see that time frame as a failure? No, I would say no. I would say no. And same with the, they had the Sonics too, like Seattle. That poor Seattle, right. man. But like, yeah. <laughs> yeah. I don't think they would see that as a failure. They got to watch Junior Griffey, mm-hmm. Jay Buner. They had Ichiro. Uh, in the early 2000s, like I, King, like they're not looking at that as a failure. They they just had joy watching him, and right. so it's obviously going to depend on who you talk to. Um, but yeah. for the most part, man, as long as they're competing night in and night out, and Tatis is hitting bombs, Machado just continues to look sick. Right. Hosmer swings the shit out of his bat and mm-hmm. barrels baseballs. Like it's going to be a once fun every time. twenty. Yeah, it's going to be a fun time. It's going to be a fun time. So I did want to, um, pivoting a little bit here, still about Tatis, but so Colin Cowherd, let me start out this by saying Colin Cowherd is my guy. And those of you that follow us on Twitter at the long ball under pod, I got to memorize that. I haven't done it yet, but you always say it at the end. So I haven't had to, but um, long ball ball underscore pod at long ball underscore pod. You know where to find us on Twitter. Love Colin Cowherd. Watch his show. You know, he actually had like a health scare a couple weeks ago. Um, love peace Colin Cowherd. But um, mainstream media, and it's the same with Stephen A. I love Stephen A. 
they are not great when they talk baseball because baseball doesn't take up much of their time. And I actually did a video joking about this months ago when the playoffs started, because that's the only time you hear them talk about baseball. And Stephen A. and Max Kellerman are going to talk about the Yankees, no matter what, the only teams they know about. And Colin Cowherd is going to do the same thing. So Colin Cowherd is talking about, he's trying to do the right thing. And he's talking about making baseball fun again and how he's a fan of it. He thinks it's exciting. So he's throwing out names and he says, you know, some guys are just exciting. If Mookie Betts want to stare at a home, wants to stare at a home run, let him. And I'm thinking in my mind, I know Mookie wears a pretty thick chain. And I know Mookie is very excitable when he's playing, like in the outfield. This is just excitement type stuff. Like actually, to be honest, similar to Mike Trout, Mookie does stuff at second base, like with the team. The Dodgers as a culture is different to the Angels. I'm probably because they win. But Mookie has more personality for sure. But when you talk to Mookie, or when you hear Mookie speak, very mild-mannered guy. And when he hits home runs, so before I heard the take and I thought Colin was tripping. I thought he was tripping because I thought he used the wrong example. I thought he could have used Tatis. I guess since he was speaking about Tatis and big contracts, Mookie Betts came to mind. But terrible example because in my opinion, I've never seen Mookie bat flip and I've never seen Mookie like maybe look at a home run, but not pimp and stare at a home run. And it was just so funny to me because I don't know why Colin, that Colin just assumed. He just assumed. And it, it, I love Colin, but it's just like, I could come up, I came up with six players off the top of my head, I think. Javi Baez, Tim Anderson, Fernando Tatis, Manny Machado. I'll put Trevor Bauer there as well as a pitcher. Oh, and I'll put yeah. Mark Acuna. Acuna. I, I didn't even put Juan Acuna. Soto. Juan Soto, and I'll put Marcus Stroman as a pitcher. And it's funny because Mookie, this idea around him, I'm not going to get into the, the, we'll just say because of the chain, what the chain represents. We'll go with that. I don't know if that's why it's like, this guy's flashy because he's really not. He's really not. So Colin, if you're listening, I'm sure you are. This is the hurt. Um, Mookie's not flashy in my opinion, in my humble opinion. I, I, I think you're exactly right. By the way, Juan Soto, what's his deal going to look like? Because he should get probably more than Tatis. Yeah. Like he, they, I think MLB, they came out with their, their rank. They ranked all the players. Trout was one. Um, Juan Soto needs to get some more Luki respect. Was, That's what I dude, would say. I think he's starting to. I think everyone is just like now come to the realization like this guy is pretty much the – he is amazing and he's going to be – ridiculously amazing for a long, long time. That's what I'm saying, bro. Like the fucking young talent that, that major league baseball has right now is so damn cool. Like you watch Juan Soto in the box. That dude just owns it. He owns everything. So yeah. I mean, how do you ball out? And that's the thing. Maybe, I don't know. And, and Juan Soto, I don't know what it, like what it is about the swag. Like he's hasn't seen, seem to be as marketable yet as a Fernando Tatis or even Ronald Acuna, to be honest, but he, he does, he is extremely talented, did it on the biggest stage. He got caught up, I think with COVID at the beginning of this season, then came out and super balled immediately. He hit like a home run every game for the first like five games. And he's not getting talked about enough. I do want to pivot a little bit to what you just talked about with Ronald Acuna Jr. This guy I mean, if we're looking down the line, because 
This is what we do. And things can get spicy. We, we, we're, we're so accustomed to what we got Deshaun Watson, who's unhappy. We had James Harden. Now, this is in other sports and baseball is different. But if I'm Ronald Acuna Jr., eight years, 100 mil, there's not very many people that would complain about being given $100 million to do a job. But I got to look around and think, bruh, did I mess up here? Did I do the right thing? Now it's six years less, so he will be able to get recashed out. But a lot can happen in eight years. Yeah, that happen. was, uh, I honestly don't know what, like who negotiated their deal. Because their old agency was, or his age, current agency, mm-hmm. I know he fired his age, like he got new agency. And Before, his I- current, I don't know, that's the thing, because it's a conflict of interest for me, because right. their agency represented me. His current agency it, re- represented, represented me. you. Yeah. And I so... See. Hey, and I just got a ride for my my, hey, yeah, old, hey, my you, old dog. So no, hey, I'm out of no here. <laughs> I'm no out of here. No, but yeah. in all seriousness, like it's a bargain. It is a bargain. You can say of that. Of course, of course, it's a bargain. It is an absolute but, bargain. And, 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 but I'm never going to fault someone for taking that money, especially when yes. it's life changing money like well, that i'm never going yeah. to to fault someone for about their pockets no and 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 people were saying the same thing about tatis he could have taken less similar to to an acuna junior deal and he's another junior that will probably drop eventually um he's an, like if he had taken less years and taken a smaller deal in a in what six seven years he could get the monster contract so really it's it's pretty funny it's like a chicken or the egg thing if the Acuna Jr. deal does prove to be a bargain, he's going to get cashed out. If it doesn't prove to be a bargain, that means he fell off. So either way, it does actually make sense. It's just looking at it now after this Tatis deal is like, dang. But basically, he's going to make that if he proves that this last eight years, you know, or he might not make it all back, but he, he if he balls, he might. Yeah. Yeah, he's he's gonna get paid again, but that's that's how it should be. Mm-hmm. Like we just talked about arbitration. Like that's how exactly how this whole thing should work. Mm-hmm. Pay him young, you know, give him whatever money that you guys can agree upon, and then let him get paid again, like the mega right. deal. Uh, it's like the the NBA. Like they were comparing it to Giannis's deal. Giannis is gonna get like three more deals, like three more super max contracts. Mm-hmm. so that's that's the only thing i'll say on that the i don't know if he'll get a ring th- though no as long as he has chris middleton <laughs> as the second best player bro they're not doing shit uh ozzy albies his mm-hmm. contract that's one where i'm gonna say and once again i don't fault ozzy albies like at all that's life-changing money once again that dude like is gonna be taking ubers to the stadium Am I it reading was, this right? It was. It, it's a. It's a pretty wild deal. I. I they were this, talking about. Wait, wait, wait. On, this can't be right. Trill Withers timeline. This because this can't be right because this says, was it seven years, thirty five mil? Yeah. Yeah. Seven years, thirty five mil. Yeah. Yeah. So they they locked him and Acuna up. 
Wow. Pretty similar timeline. Seven years, 35. Dude, the Braves, man, they got Bro. some value deals. That's what I'm saying. They're paying wow. them. And then they just won. Uh, they took Dansby Swanson's ass to court. Won wow. that case. I mean, they're just making moves with their money. You know they're going to take Max Fried to court. They're going to take Ian Anderson wow. to court. That's on. And then you you have the Padres ownership that's like, we don't give a fuck. All right. We're just going right. to pay everyone what, because we can. That's the thing. MLB owners, they can do this. They, we need to stop. There's always Twitter guy that defends uh, MLB ownership. And, and ca- there's fucking salary guy that always is tweeting about, hey, if we shift here, they can maybe afford this. Yankees get, are, are trying to clear this amount of Yankees are trying to clear this amount of space. Are you fucking kidding me? Like, what well, type while, of- we're, while we're on the subject how do you feel about when you talk about the the Padres willing to spend money on the opposite end of the spectrum, you have the A's who let the hometown hero walk Marcus Simeon and decide to sign a closer in Trevor Rosenthal for more money that they were willing to offer Marcus Simeon. Well, they also found a way to backload a one-year deal, which I, I have no, no idea how in God's name that is even possible. How do you backload a one-year deal? Is it, I saw, I was seeing great tweets today. That was a great moment for Twitter because they should have signed them to uh, like a 100 year, uh, you know, $100 million contract. You just pay them right. 1 million a year. Like right, it's just, right all the tweets about that were great. I don't even know how they're going to backload that, but it's man. Baseball is wild. Baseball is it, such it's a something else. It, it it's is a mortgage board. It, it really is, man. It really is. But I, I just think that what the Padres are doing is it may not, this may not work out, but I think if you have a brain, you can, and you have a shred of, humanity and and feel about you you're gonna say this is the right thing to do i agree i agree and it's an exciting time to be a padres fan if you thought they were you know chippy and chirpy before they're not gonna know how to act now they never knew how to act but they're really not gonna know how to act and honestly i mean it's not the greatest uh as a um Giants fan to kind of be like, you know, the SpongeBob meme where it's Patrick and SpongeBob outside and Squidward's like just staring. That's kind of how Giants fans feel. But it is going to be fun to watch these two teams duel it out. And these two, I'll say, exciting and very excitable fan bases. I know that you and the Padres fan base have uh, have history. I, I'm but, very yeah. excited for this. For the, over for the, yes. over under benches clearing with this uh, with this rivalry. Uh, How many times two? do they play a year? I have no idea. Over twenty? Yeah, over twenty. Over so 20? it'd be like two would be the over under. Ooh, I'll take the. Uh, over. It might be a one and a half. I'll take the over. I'll take the over. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, it's yeah. gonna be some beef. Gonna be some beef. Uh, we also very special weekend. Um, we. Do you have anything else on that, by the way? Nothing. Okay. Yep. Very special weekend. We 
used to be, as our loyal listeners know, we used to be a college baseball show um, where we, yes. you know, that, that was it. That was it. We were college baseball, nothing else. We made the transition, but it is opening weekend this weekend um, for college baseball, Division One, And we're seeing games canceled. There's obviously uh, our, our thoughts and prayers are with everyone that's that's fighting those outages in Texas um, right now. <clears throat> it's going to be a wild season. It's been a wild season with college football, with any any sport, really. You're going to have cancellations left and right. Nonetheless, we're still going to get college baseball. I've said it before. I love watching college baseball like more than just about any other sport because you can feel that once again, you could feel that juice coming through the TV screen or computer, whatever your medium is of watching it, of consuming it, but you can feel it. You can feel the camaraderie. You can feel the best friendship that's, that's oozing from these kids that are playing. Um, What are your thoughts on the college baseball season? What are you looking forward to? I'm just looking forward to these kids being able to play. I mean, there's, we've talked so much when, you know, those, the OG listeners know how it was at the beginning when we were specifically college baseball and we love college baseball. I mean, that's where we, we got to flourish uh, Orlando and myself and the camaraderie that you feel there, I think, or or even with Orlando playing in the minors, it was different, but there's just, it's different because there's nothing like college baseball. So I'm just happy. These guys are going to get to play again. And it seems like, sure. There'll be some cancellations. We've seen it with college basketball, but if they made it work with college basketball and college football, pretty confident they'll be able to, to make that happen. You know, shout out to the guys that did tough it out and probably aren't getting drafted, but decided to um, decided to hang around and uh, all that kind of messiness that players had to deal with. And I know that I feel for the guys that on the other end of it, knew they weren't getting drafted and decided, Hey, I don't really want to, we talked to forgot. We talked to a a head coach or somebody like that, that they said, Hey, you're probably not going to play, you know, or, or it's really your call, but no promises. And they decided to hang them up. And I really do feel like the players that know those guys and experienced it last year, if you're not an incoming freshman, so everybody besides them um, will be playing in their honor. You know, if you had a buddy that was on their red shirt, I mean, I was a red shirt senior. That's five years. If it had happened to me, I wouldn't have want to quit. But did I? Would I have wanted to be 24, knowing that, you know, it? it I'm just playing to play. You know, I probably Dude. wouldn't have. You know, I, really? I, I don't know. It's a college, the co- man. If the coach, the 30 year old in me says I would have played, but if I'm talking to the coach and I've never talked to a scout before in my life, you know, and I'm going to be battling out with the, a freshman, I might say, you know what, like, just make me like, just, just get, can you just allot my scholarship to grad school? How about that? You know, like, so I feel for those guys and I know there's going to be a lot of players playing with pride, especially because they understand that. Things can be taken away whenever they happen. Things can be taken away in a in a heartbeat without you realizing it. The last thing I'll say is don't forget what we talked about, the backload and the backlog of junior college players. If you live near a junior college that maybe you know they have a baseball team or if you are even near like some type of state school that has a junior college type of feeder school situation, 
that team is probably going to be pretty dope this year. There's going to be a lot of good college baseball everywhere and specifically in junior college because kids that didn't get drafted because there were only five rounds and kids that didn't get the scholarships because of the guys that never lost a year. So junior college baseball is going to be great. I meant to go to Kenyatta games this past season. I not meant to, I planned on it. Season got canceled. I will definitely be there because I just want to see what is out there right now. So very excited for college baseball. Yeah. And if you look at uh top 25, it's typical Florida, mm-hmm. UCLA, Texas tech, Vandy, Vandy has those two monsters uh, at the top of their rotation. Yes. Just love watching both those guys pitch. That's obvious. Shout out our guy, Pete Hansen at Texas. I think. Oh, shout out Pete, man. Yeah. I think that's who you were referring to. Uh, he said that they were at practice when they found out and it was just, mm. this guy's just like, shit, I guess my career's over. Dude. Um, so imagine, imagine hearing that. Uh, we got to text Ole Miss. I love watching Ole Miss. They were super oh, young yeah. last year. Yeah. Um, Probably Do they the still have the dude with the blonde hair. I didn't know how old he was. So Servadeo, I, I think that's who you're referring to. He might be drafty. Uh, he he was drafted. drafted. He was yeah. drafted. They had a few guys. Drafted. They'll have another one. I, I really, they just they just have them. I love Ole Miss. Um, and then shout out. And we just want to give a shout out to good luck to Michigan. Um, good luck to Davis. Good luck to Sac State. Shout out to Tyler Torrey. Good luck to Long Beach. Mm-hmm. There's just a lot of people that we have connections with Trent Denholm and mine um just a lot of people that we have connections with a lot of great kids that we know um that are that are getting getting the chance to play that's the biggest thing that's the biggest thing yeah yeah and we'll we'll talk more about it as the season progresses but I'm gonna watch this weekend I'm gonna get take some notes you know I'm gonna bring my little notepad I got this notepad right here there you go I'll be taking notes oh CJ Rodriguez from Vandy too Guys, there a you go. fucking stud. Right. It is 9.24. What time do you think catch pitchers and catchers have to be at the facility in the morning? You'd know better than I would. I don't want to wake Colin up if he's – that's that's the only – Look, we can give a shout – Yeah, we, we can give a sh- – Yeah, we can give a shout-out to him. You could shoot him a text and start – Should I say um, you up? Yeah, That's I'm sure weird. it's not the first time you sent that one. <laughs> you, uh, you can Poppy. start um you can start dead ball and if he can pick up, we'll push dead ball to next week. Oh gosh. <laughs> well, this dead ball is pretty short. It's just the history of the pitcher's mound because you know, you, you saw their deadening the baseball, whatever yes. the fuck that means. So it's just kind of given everyone it's been a while since we've done a dead ball. It's given everyone kind of a lay of the land on really the history of the pitcher's mound and right. and how that came about. Um, in the early days of baseball, pitchers were required to stay within a pitcher's box. So it was like softball, mm-hmm. essentially. It had its front edge 45 feet away from home. So it was little league distance. You're pitching from little league distance in the major leagues shockingly enough pitchers were dominating batters so in 1881 the front edge of the box was moved back five feet this still was not enough so they just kept moving it back moving it back finally in 1893 they're like hey this box this shit isn't there's a reason that this is the dead ball 
segment the dead ball era was right was right and this is the happy zone for the dead ball era so shockingly enough pitchers were dominating from 55 feet uh, that's where 13 year olds play from nowadays like 13 14 year olds remember there's there's that weird age it's so weird because it um i would say it relates to puberty in the sense and and if you hit it early that kid's gonna kill you right it's 45 feet away and then all of a sudden you're in your like teen your preteen years your teen years you're 13 years old and it's like 55 feet and that's like i'm in this weird time my body's changing and it's like the mound the distance is changing then you go to 60 feet like two years later so it is a weird kind of situation that's going on right um they decided to add it was the elevation on pitcher's mound was made in order to return some advantages to pitchers that was lost due to extending the pitcher position so i guess they just were throwing flat grounds and they they started sucking the pitchers Mm -hmm. so how about this trial and error of just year after year like hey where we I, i don't even know if they were practicing back then right but you see it now, and and I think I've heard rumblings like they're experimenting and they were experimenting in some indie ball league with the mound. Do you think we're ever going to see some sort of change like this? Like, are we like, are they going to raise the go hoop back? or something? Yeah. Do you think we could go back to maybe a pitcher's box by any chance? No, no, no. not unless. Yeah, I mean, there's always tweaking going on, but the, the, baseball just seems to care about the balls. They're, they're just going to manipulate these balls to whatever they need to do. They might make the ball. Right. They might make the balls heavier if pitchers are like throwing in, in 30 years. If if pitchers like are seven foot eight and they're just like, you know, really injuring people, they'll have to figure something out. But I'm going to go yeah. no on the box. Yeah. So no on the box. I just wanted to give the listeners kind of a, a, a pre, like a blast from the past, just how wild this sport is. Like you go, it's almost these rules that pegs were allowed. This is right in that time period too, where, Oh, here we go. Here we go. We're interrupting the segment. And we interrupt this segment. Yep. better fucking answer oh my god wow hey oh wow how you doing put the mic put a phone closer to your mic orlando you're never what are you watching uh have you seen the center with jessica beale no you're late dude i'm all over that it's good though. It's really good. It's like kind of a thriller mystery deal. Nice. Are you are you sweating or are you just kind of? Uh, I love it. I love, there's nothing like getting the the juices flowing like right before bed too. So we we wanted to call you because of what happened on Twitter last night. Uh, you. <laughs> You said that you had checked your messages. It was empty. I said you, I've always said this every single time you've came on the podcast, you have an open invitation. 
So we wanted to surprise you and just just check in with you and see how you were doing. How's uh, how's the first couple of days of of spring training going? One million percent. I was right in the middle of a dead ball segment. And then I get the I was like, should we? Uh, well, at first I was like, it's 930. I don't know what time you have to be at the field. So. Yeah. Like sticking together. My girlfriend just told me she's like, Yeah, I'm Friday tomorrow. Can't wait for the weekend. I was like, I honestly had no idea it was Friday. Or Friday. Dude, that's how that's a great feeling. Cause that's how you know it's full go, baby. hundred percent. Yeah, it kind of fired me up a little bit. That's awesome. That's all every everything going well. You learning some new stuff, you picking some brains, you getting amongst the pitchers. Yeah, I mean, uh first two days haven't been too crazy. I've caught one bullpen day and uh taking some bp but yeah it's been fun got good arms in camp and you know uh we got sergio romo now and just signed trevor rosenthal so you know hopefully i get to get a piece of those guys i mean kind of a, a, a trip i was talking to my mom about it she was like oh sergio romo and i was like wow that's actually that's probably like my first uh like whoa i grew up watching that dude win world series moment you know yeah oh totally totally that's yeah. awesome i saw him walking around the complex today and i was like whoa i'm used to seeing that guy in black and orange you know yeah but pretty cool yeah man that's uh well shit we just wanted to check in with you see how you were doing make sure you're doing well yeah i appreciate it i'm honored absolutely absolutely we'll check back in soon we might we might spontaneously call we might make this a thing mm-hmm. what's calling what's calling doing yeah let's just call him give him a call see what netflix show he's watching all right man well enjoy your uh, jessica beale show get those anxiety levels up get ready for tomorrow and just attack the day all right, man. See you. All right later that was great that was great i'm thinking we might i think facetime audio is typically a little louder we might have to go facetime next time We'll, we'll tweak time? it. We'll tweak it around. Yeah. Yeah. I don't know how good the audio is going to turn out, but we'll other than that, I mean, shit, you, that was a the treat. Listeners will, will appreciate it either way. Yeah. That was an absolute treat. Um, anyway, dead ball, the mound used to be 45 mm-hmm. feet away and flat. Then they tried doing a bunch of shit and, and now we have 60 foot six inches. Now they're just tweaking the ball. Right. So I, who knows what's what's in store for the future, but I love the the history of the game. There you go. Great dead ball. Shout out Colin. Yeah, that was that was awesome. Um, should we get to our interview with our boy Foolish Baseball, Bailey, the man, the myth, the legend? Let's do it. Thanks everybody for listening. Want to give a brief moment to talk about our newest sponsor, eBay. How great is this? It's a new sponsorship. I love eBay. Alan loves eBay. Who doesn't love eBay? 
whether rare dead stock or the latest release, find the exact shoe you're looking for as the original sneaker marketplace. eBay is the place to go to cop the pair you've been eyeing. With eBay's authenticity guarantee, your sneakers are meticulously inspected by independent professional authenticators. A team of experienced sneaker authenticators verify the box, logo, stitching, and dozens of other inspection points. Each sneaker also receives an authenticity guarantee tag that includes a digital stamp of authenticity. It also protects sellers with a verified return process. Go to ebay.com slash sneakers today. eBay, the world's best destination for discovering great value and unique selection. We are blessed today. We're, we're very much blessed with an extremely special guest. Uh, we want to welcome on. He's an absolute force in the interweb baseball community. He's got 155K subscribers on YouTube. We want to welcome on Foolish Baseball, also known as Bailey. Thank you so much for coming on and, and gracing us with your presence today. That was quite the intro. I'm going to have a lot to live up to here. Well, yeah, I'm, I'm known for my intros. Sometimes I stumble a little bit, but uh, I, I think I nailed that one. I appreciate, uh, appreciate the kind words. Yeah, but that one was smooth like butter. Thank you. Thank you very much. I'm going to, I might put that, I might clip that and put it in my bio or something. Let's get right into it. We won't take up too much of your time. Um, middle of the day, once again, this is lunch break, whatever, you know, we're just making it work. We're competing. Uh, tell us about how you got this whole empire started, how you got Foolish Baseball started and, and when did you start it and, and how did it take off from there? And, and you obviously got to give a ton of credit to your brain. So just elaborate on that for us. Yeah, well, first of all, we can just start with a quick shout outs to my brain. Um, it's just to give make sure it gets the proper credit. But uh, Foolish Baseball, I first started uploading videos in uh, the spring of 2018. I was living in Germany at the time. Uh, I graduated college 2017 and then went to live in Germany for a year. And uh, yeah, I think just while I was there, I was feeling kind of homesick kind of wanted to get connected back to America in some sort of way. And why not baseball? You know, what's more American than that? So uh, I started making videos uh, about the video game series out of the park baseball, which is a simulation type game where you basically play as a general manager um, and uh, had a little bit of success with that. I think I gained my first few hundred subscribers that way. Then once I got back home, is, is when I started making uh, the videos that my channel is known for now, which is a video essay series called Baseball Bits, which really is just trying to make, I think, you know, saber metrics accessible to people in a fun way. I think that's sort of like the main mission of what I do. And um, I made a few of those and, and eventually that December, so December of 2018 still, um, I uploaded my third episode of Baseball Bits, which was about Justin Verlander and an inning he threw where he threw 102 miles per hour in the eighth inning, struck out the side. And uh, that one just blew up. And uh, that was when I started taking the channel more seriously. Justin Verlander tweeted about it. And sort of my, my road to where I'm at today began uh, when I put up that video about Justin Verlander. And so far I've made, you know, almost 40 episodes of baseball bits and uh, just sort of just amazed that, you know, people love them so much and that I've been able to turn this into a full-time job. That's the American dream right there. That right. is exactly how it's supposed to be done. Have you had a conversation with Justin Verlander in regard to his, your guys' sort of stories just intertwining a little bit and, and your success and then him being able to throw 102? 
Actually, no, I, I would really like to. And to be honest with you, now that you mention it, this may be the time to do it because he's uh, rehabbing for his Tommy John surgery and he's been a little bit more active on social media. So maybe, maybe I could try to reach back out to him, but I have very little experience with talking to like actual MLB players. Uh, I went to spring training about a year ago, uh, right before COVID hit. And I was able to interview some players, but, but quite frankly, none of them, you know, up to the level of star that, that Justin Verlander is. Yeah. Interesting. Interesting. So Bailey, I want to ask you, when it comes to the channel and you hear so much about baseball, baseball needs to get younger, baseball's dying, yada, yada, yada. We hear all these, I guess in a way, negative things about the game and how we need to grow the game. But when you look at the success that you've had on your YouTube channel, do you think some of that is overblown or do you think it just, like you said, needs to be presented in a different way? Because the people that are you know that the the demo that we think baseball is the you know the older male that that just has always loved the game because their dad loved the game i don't think those guys are on youtube so i think it's more guys like around our age which tells me that there are a great good amount of people good amount of young people that are still into baseball and want to learn and be a part of the game do you think the issue is just how it's been presented? And I later we'll get into the video that you talked about how baseball could be better. So I'm interested, is it, did you just think you found a way that young people do enjoy watching? Because I don't think there's older people watching. I, I would just guess, because I know my parents, like they're not really on YouTube like that besides if me and my sister have a channel, you know, they don't browse YouTube like that. Yeah. I mean, you're absolutely right. Like as a YouTuber, I have access to the analytics so I can really get a good idea of who is watching. And it's, you know, for the most part, it's uh, American males between the ages of 13 and 35. So once you kind of get beyond that age, I I just don't really have much of an audience. So you're absolutely right. I think that you're correct in that the narrative about, you know, how baseball fans are just super old and that young people aren't interested in baseball probably does need some readjustment. And I think as far as what's happening on YouTube, I'm actually a beneficiary from what has been kind of a change on MLB's part in terms of how it uh, approaches content creators. So um, like back in the day, there was this guy named Dodger Films who he would go to like Dodgers games and he'd film BP and he got banned. And then in the past, Pitching Ninja had all kinds of copyright problems. Of course, he's a huge force in the baseball content creation community as well. And um, over the past few years, MLB has gotten much more lax about how people use their IP. And um, I think I've benefited from that. And I think just baseball on YouTube in general has benefited from that, whether it's myself or I think in the past few years, we've seen you know the emergence of the John Boy empire. If you want to talk about a real empire, I mean, that's a that's a media company that, you know, it's recently been revealed has a million dollar investment and that's, that started from a YouTube channel. So I think in many ways, the future of baseball on YouTube is bright. And I hope that that can equate to, you know, the future of baseball with youth being bright as well. Yeah. That the John boy thing is, is pretty awesome. And it's weird because like Alan was saying, baseball has kind of a force. We always talk about baseball Twitter on the time, uh, like all the time, whenever, Something happens like Bob Nightingale getting a tweet wrong. It's just chaos. There's just madness every time something happens. So I do like 
so would you say it is kind of overblown that that whole baseball is kind of dying narrative because baseball has an internet force. Like it really does. So would you say it is overblown? Um, I, I would get the impression it's overblown, but I have to sort of remain cognizant of, of the things mm-hmm. that I see in real life. And, you know, I, you know, for my parents who are older, who were huge baseball fans in the nineties, you know, they didn't know who Mike Trout was until I told them, you know, who he was. And I, I, as much as we kind of exist in this internet bubble, you know, real life is different. So mm-hmm. I would say it's overblown, but um, I do think that there are certain avenues where the game can really improve with young people. I think some of the things that, you know, that we've learned about football over the past few years in, in regards to the CTE, I think that's going to maybe encourage parents to pursue, you know, a different team sport like basketball or soccer, or hopefully baseball as well. And, and, you know, I, I look at things like MLB, the show going cross platform this year when, you know, video games have been a good tool for many to learn about, you know, their favorite sports. I learned a lot about soccer through FIFA. I think that's a huge opportunity as well. So um, I do think, you know, this is a game that's struggling to market to the youth, but I, at the same time, I also recognize that the youth that are into it and especially they're into the type of game that I'm presenting, which is a really sabermetric approach are really into it. Like they're diehard. There's not a lot of casual baseball fans. There's a lot of hardcore baseball fans that are young. And I think that's great too, even if it's not great in terms of just the raw numbers. All right. And you mentioned you you really take an analytics-based approach, which I, I follow you on Twitter. It's awesome. And I see some of your takes and at first glance, I'm like, what the fuck is this guy doing? And then you're backing up every single thing. And then you really get people to think about it and be like, actually, you know, he's not, he may not be far off, even if you totally disagree with him. What are, let's get right into it. Yeah, let's get into the meat. What are some of your biggest takes that you would say could come off as hot takey, but in reality, they're, they're not at all. Yeah. I mean, so I'm kind of turning into like the resident, like white Sox off season hater right now. Like I, uh, I have some, I just think the twins are just well beyond them in terms of what they have on the roster. I think the white Sox have sort of mismanaged this off season. I think that, it's good that they got Lance Lynn, but they gave up too much for him. You know, as much as Lance Lynn can help them this year, so could have Dane Dunning. So I think they would have been better off giving up a prospect who wasn't major league ready. Uh, You know, they signed uh, Adam Eaton, which is basically, they're just doing no more Mazzara again. Um, And so, and the money that they spent in terms of average annual value on Eaton plus Liam Hendricks could have added up to like an Ozuna or a Springer, which could have actually really been, I think, much more helpful for them. So that's that's sort of a take I'm, I'm looking at is that I'm uh, pessimistic about the White Sox. Obviously, the La Russa thing isn't, isn't great either. Um, that's it, once you throw that on top of their offseason. Um, yeah, and then it's just in terms of things that I've um, been thinking about sort of in the past. Like I was big on Jose Ramirez this year, and he almost won MVP and probably should have. Um, I didn't, you know, I didn't doubt him after he struggled for half a season because he'd been elite for about three total seasons before right, that. He's a star. He's a yeah. Star. And I, so I think we're a, in complete agreement on that. Yeah. So I think a lot of it is just sort of looking at, uh, you know, trying to decipher like how much we can learn from smaller sample sizes. A player that I'm really big on this year is Yusei Kikuchi. Uh, I think Yusei Kikuchi was great last year. I think um, his ERA did not show it. But if you start to look at some of his advanced numbers and you start to look at the fact that he, he was one of the biggest increasers in fastball velocity, I think it points to him having a really good 2021 if he stays healthy. So that's, those are just sort of a few things I'm keeping my eye on at the moment. Yeah. No, good stuff. Good stuff. 
I think it's time to to now talk about the game as far as how it can improve. I we've had people on this show before and we've talked about my 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 stance has been that technically football games aren't or baseball games aren't even longer than football games. It's just a matter of how the excitement is dispersed or not dispersed. And when you talk about how to make the game better, we've had guests on this show and we've gone back and forth about the the swing path idea and how it's home runs, walks and strikeouts. And now you have the shift. And to me, you know, you, we talk about a game like the Astros and Dodgers when it felt like it was 25 to 20 in that World Series and how that's great. But at the same time, you can have another game where, like we said, it's either a strikeout, a walk or a home run and it ain't a home run and it's some pretty boring baseball. How do you feel about the new um, launch angle approach and everyone's just trying to hit bombs. And I, I joked before, it looks like some of these guys are upset when they hit singles, like they don't even want to be on the base path. So how do you feel about that? Do you think that it's good for the game or do and, and what the option would be? Do we, you know, the slap hitters, I mean, I'll take a guy like Ozzy Albies. You see a dude like that, who's probably my height at five, eight, five, nine on a two, two count, not shortening up still swinging for the fences and not hitting a home run like that. That is crazy to me. If I had done that back when I was playing, I would have been on the bench. You've been on the bench. You can't, you can't do that. So speak to the launch angle and how the, the type of baseball has changed and whether you think it's good for the game or not. Yeah. So I think I can sort of use an analogy here. I, I think what's happening is that baseball's um, meta game has become stale. This is, um, this is something that happens in video games a lot in sort of the competitive video game world. You, you know, the developers create uh, a game and what, what ends up happening is that players naturally find the most effective ways to play. And so the way you combat that is you have to kind of change up the rules, you know. So for me, in a world where, you know, launch angle and pulled fly balls are king, you know, I, that's why I advocate for, for deadening the baseball, you know, and, and that's something that they're going to experiment with this year, thankfully. And so I don't want to discourage like teams and players from being creative. And I think that's like the biggest thing that we have to remember. We can't, we can't try to really limit that creativity. Um, but what we can do is when the, the metagame gets stale and when, you know, the approach for creating a winning baseball team looks the same. And when the approach for creating, you know, a great baseball player looks the same is, is that sometimes things need to be changed up. And that could be in regards to, you know, the baseball that could be in regards to, um, you know, certain rules about how we construct our rosters. But ultimately I think we've reached a point in baseball where there's, there's too much similarity in approach between teams and players. And I think we should, try to create a game where all types of players can flourish, whether it is that slap hitter, whether it is, you know, that, you know, 30, 40 home run hitter, whether it's the guy that throws a hundred rather than, you know, even if it's the guy that throws 88, I think that's right. what we'd like to see is the variety. Mm-hmm. Now it's great that you brought that up out because the good teams are still beating you any, whichever way fuck possible. Mm-hmm. Like the Dodgers can beat you. They can grind out, you know, and it, it goes inning to inning. They can launch five home runs in an inning and then they could move a guy over first to third, whatever. Do you think that we saw, you know, with the with the development of technology and the use of technology, people over analyzed it and the 
shitty organizations overanalyzed it. And that's what happens when there's some sort of revolution like that, right? Like you go far towards one side. Do you see it eventually balancing out and, and seeing these teams be like, oh, well, actually, you know, the Astros and the Dodgers, they're not just looking to hit home runs. Believe it or not, these guys are great hitters. Like the best hitters are still great hitters. So do you see teams kind of seeing that or do you think some organizations are just run so poorly that that we won't see it shift back towards this balance of, you know, hitting dongs and also putting together competitive ABs? Yeah, well, I think a lot of it is going to come down to the fact that um, the human element is going to be what separates uh, a lot of winning and losing teams. If everyone's on the same page in terms of technology you know, if everyone's on the same page in terms of how we evaluate players, that sort of that human element is going to play a bigger part. It's going to be, you know, not just using technology to know what a guy's, you know, spin efficiency is when the minors, it's going to be about having someone, you know, a, a scout who's been around the game for decades who can sort of back that up and, and offer their perspective as well. And I think in terms of players, it's going to be not just about, you know, players who show skill on the field. It's maybe those who have the makeup necessary to improve um, and to, and to really max out their game, no matter what, because they have to drive. So I do think it can reach that point where everything's so homogenous on the technology side that, that what actually matters is the human element. You're using some great vocab here, by the way. We're getting some some great wordage going. You're just a, a wordsmith in every sense of the word. Mm-hmm. Um, you bring up analytics. You did have one take that I need you to explain. Um, you ranked your best third baseman. Obviously, I don't disagree with the Jose Ramirez, but you had Arenado fourth. And I don't disagree with the uh, Rendon aspect either. You had Matt Chapman ahead of him. Mm-hmm. I realized Ch- I played against Chapman in college him and JD Davis were behemoths when we played Fullerton. Um, But he's also only played for what, three years. And, you know, he's been great. Is he that good defensively where he is now better than Nolan Arenado? Yeah. I mean, so the, the defensive metrics just loved, and I mean, loved Nolan Arenado last year, like maybe more than they've ever loved him before. Um, But yeah, I mean, I think we can at least get to the point where I, I would say Chapman is Arenado's equal in terms of defense. And then when you start looking at the offensive stats and when you start looking at the park adjusted stats, uh, like an OPS plus or WRC plus, I think you can start to make the argument that that Chapman is a better hitter than Arenado. And so if it's equal defense and a slight advantage for Chapman with the bat, then yeah, I think you would rank Chapman higher. The pushback to that from an analytic perspective is that Arenado is, of course, dealing with the Coors effect that follows him on the road. This is known as the Coors hangover, which is an effect where, you know, Rockies players hit worse on the road because they're not used to being around sea level. And we saw it with LeMahieu. When LeMahieu left Coors, he became a better hitter. And a big part of it is that those home road splits become less exaggerated. So that would be the pushback to that. Um, but also in, in regards to Chapman, I think that Chapman is a player who probably has more season to season upside than Nolan Arenado, because I think Nolan Arenado has just proven himself to be a consistent five or six war player, which is probably never going to win him an MVP award. You need to kind of push up into that seven or eight range to win an MVP. Um, whereas, whereas Matt Chapman, I mean, he has, you know, according to some measures had some seasons where he's pushing that eight war. So I think they're extremely close. I think they're extremely comparable in terms of how they approach the game, but yeah, I don't, I don't have any issues with putting Matt Chapman ahead of them. 
What about the best shortstop in baseball? I think that is, yeah. We talk about, <clears throat> excuse me, we talk about the best shortstops in baseball all the time and how many, st- there's like 10 stars, like legitimate stars that you could make the argument for. I say Seeger, Al, who's your guy? Best shortstop? Yeah. I mean. I'm saying Seeger, healthy Seeger. Are, are you being a little prisoner of the moment here? No, no. What when he was healthy Bailey? before. So I, I love Corey Seager and I would absolutely consider him to be part of that conversation. I think if you look at some of his batted ball stuff from last year, it was just insane. I mean, after like, I think after like four Dodgers games, I, I tweeted out that like Corey Seager's back basically. And that pretty much held true for the, throughout the rest of the season and, and especially the postseason. So I think Corey Seager's definitely in that conversation as far as looking forward, you know, as far as trying to determine who's the best shortstop in 2021, I really think you have to just consider Fernando Tatis Jr. at this point. And I know it's a small sample size of games to go off of, but this is this guy's been like, you know, just to I hate to piggyback off war again, but he's, he's a seven war player in 143 games. So he's basically played a full season in his career. Mm-hmm. Seven war. I mean, that puts you up there with any shortstop in the league right now, you know. Um, and then the other players I think that would be in the conversation would be Lindor and Story. But as far as looking forward to 2021, I would probably say either Story or Tatis, and I'd have to think a little bit harder on which one I'd pick. Yeah, it seems like it, this will be interesting. I don't think he fell off enough for, uh, wow, he's back, but it'll be interesting to see how Lindor does in this new environment. He was our guy. Orlando's very happy that he's going to be in the Big Apple. We love his smile. We love his charisma. He had those years in uh, Cleveland, which seemed so long ago. Cleveland was like a perennial World Series team and then dealt dealt with some injuries last season. Now he's with the Mets. So it'll be interesting to see where he takes the crown or if he can take it back, because for a while he was the guy. And a lot of people will say that this player just hasn't completely put it together in the regular season. But every time playoffs comes around, you start hearing how much people love Carlos Correa mm-hmm. and how high his ceiling is. Alan and hates Carlos Correa. I don't hate Carlos Correa. I just know we all know. I feel like we all know a guy that had that potential and never figured it out. And I feel like Carlos Correa, and that's how much potential he has, that he's still really good. But as far as like taking that next step, I got to see it to believe it. And he just has not done it yet. Yeah, the the back injuries have really slowed down Correa to some extent, and, mm-hmm. and so I really feel for him. But yeah, I mean, on a on a game to game basis, like I think Correa can compete with those guys, but it's just a question of you know, is he gonna can he play one fifty? Because the rest right. of the guys we've talked about have have managed to stay healthy for full seasons. Mm-hmm. What do you think of the trade away? The Fran- speaking of Lindor, what do you think of the trade away? The generational talent model that a lot of teams just seem to love to follow. Yeah, well, it's not a great model, I have to say. Um, Doesn't not a big indicator of uh, success there. Yeah, well, I think when first of all, there was so much. I'm, I'm assuming you're mostly talking about uh, even Arenado now. Um, Arenado. There, there's so much yeah. that went wrong with with Arenado because what happened is they extended him, but they didn't mean it. 
You know, they didn't mean it. They gave him the opt out because they wanted him to leave. It didn't happen. They traded him and they sent $50 million with them. For, for Cleveland, I actually think what they did is a little bit more understandable because what they had is the franchise or at least half the franchise because they still have Ramirez under contract. Um, and what happened is they have cheapskate owners. Okay. You know, you can't really do much about that. And so, you know, you, you get whatever you can out of him and then, you know, you trade him with a year left to go. And so I think what the Rockies did is, is far worse than what Cleveland did because Cleveland is just a, a byproduct of cheapskate owners, whereas Colorado is a byproduct of just, just not having any sort of long-term plan, it seems. Yeah, I read something about like some guy that interviewed with the Rockies and he just said, yeah, I interviewed for a job and I asked what their plans were and they gave me like how, how they wanted to, you know, have a, a good catcher and good bullpen, which in and of itself, like good catcher, fine. Like, okay, bullpen, like you have, you know, the Royals bullpen in 2000 and whatever, that's fine. But they pretty much, he's like, why do you have Chris Iannetta then uh, and Tony Walters? And so it was just, the Rockies are just a mess. Uh, all A lot of franchises though are a mess. And I don't, are we okay with those cheapskate owners though? Is that just, are we, do we just have to live with that? Like eh, that's just how it's going to be. They're going to develop amazing talent. Every pitcher that comes through Cleveland is amazing as well. And then they trade them away. Do we just have to accept it and just be like, you know, take shit and like it. Yeah. I mean, you do have to accept it to some extent just cause you know, that these teams are privately owned, you know, and, mm-hmm. um, and the thing is these, you know, these people that own baseball teams and have billion and billions of dollars, they didn't get there by being generous necessarily, you know? <laughs> so, um, yeah, you just have to kind of, uh, you know, grit your teeth and bear it sort of like, uh, you know, the, the French revolution being brought to the United States in 2020. You sound, like a big, sorry. You sound like a big history guy. We would get along great. Yeah. I'm a big well, I majored in history, guy. so. That's hard. You have probably yeah. had to read a shit ton, huh? Oh yeah. Damn. Damn. Well, <laughs> Al, yeah. you got uh, you got any other questions? I got a couple more, um, but we won't take up too much more of your time. Yeah, no, I was just going to say to your point, Orlando, as far as dealing with these owners that don't want to spend money and then these players end up getting traded away. Is it really that much different than any other sport like i feel that the same thing happens in the nba it's not as much as nba they have way more power but mm-hmm. every year there's only a handful of teams you think you can that can win it right the 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 parody has never been crazy in any sport really nfl you uh, once you have the rise of a new quarterback that's different but i mean tom brady has been doing this forever forever so maybe it'll change once he retires, but it's always the same teams in every sport. I feel like, and and in baseball, you have the teams like the, you know the A's and, and these smaller markets like the Rays, and they get these guys and then get rid of them, and they end up on the Yankees or a big market team. And I just feel like that's how it is. The only reason it's a little bit different in basketball is because basketball they just command so much more power, and Brooklyn can do what they did, even though Brooklyn is it is in New York. I, I don't know if it's considered a big market, but they kind of manifested that by itself. And if you look at what the Warriors did, the Warriors and San Francisco Giants are fairly similar. They got some homegrown talent that, that ended up being really good. They hit, you know, you, it's like going to the casino. They just hit on some picks and they got some championships. And and it was kind of a flash in the pan, in a pan more so the Giants than 
the Warriors because the Warriors end up getting KD. But besides that, it's normally the, the usual suspects for all these sports. Yeah, I mean, I think you're absolutely correct that the level of parity in, in MLB and NBA is relatively similar. I think probably MLB has more parity to some extent just because I think NBA playoffs are probably a better indicator of, of true talent than MLB playoffs. You know, we've seen it. Definitely. The, we've seen the Dodgers get eliminated, you know, seven or eight years in a row, and you're like, you know, this has been the best team for the past seven or eight years, and we had to wait until 2020 for them to finally win a World Series. So I think that's definitely true. Um, however, the biggest difference is that in the NBA, it's all player driven, you know, mm-hmm. that when they form those super teams, it's all player driven. And, you know, if, if Matt Chapman were, uh, you know, in the, well, maybe Chapman's not a great example. Let's pick, uh, you know, if, if Trevor story were, uh, an NBA player, he would have finagled a way to get to the equivalent of the Yankees right now because the Yankees mm-hmm. would have recognized that and then cleared out caps where they could afford a max so, you know it's it's a completely different right. dynamic because the NBA is just in general is a very player driven league and and MLB is not um, and honestly the worst uh, to some extent might be NFL in terms of uh, uh, owners running rampant at least the NFL has salary cap and floor but uh, just in terms of the way players are commodified in NFL I mean it's crazy you know it's just these poor running backs you know get get you know drafted and they get run 300 times a season and then they're decrepit and can't make any money by the time they're 27 like it's insane Mm -hmm. and um before we get into my last couple things on the on the season do you think arbitration's gonna do you think they're gonna nix it in the next cba i don't think they'd nix it i think that will be something they discuss like maybe players will try to find a path to arbitration sooner um I do think for arbitration, what I would look for in terms of reforming it is that, um, and this is, you know, sort of like the sabermetric head in me, is that arbitration being based off comps just doesn't work anymore because mm-hmm. what happens is, you know, players, uh, what what players value, or sorry, what the comps would value and what a front office values is completely different. So, and, and you saw it, what happened this past off season, you know, who are some of the big names that got non-tendered? I would look at Schwarber, you know, I'd look at Eddie Rosario, um, and, and what do those guys have in common? They were, they were low OBP mashers. And so what happened is the comps looked at their home runs and their RBIs and was like, these guys are great. They deserve a bunch of money. And the teams were like, we can't pay that. And so they got, you know, non-tendered. And, um, so I look for an arbitration system that's maybe more based on what front offices would value. And then even for some players right now, like Ryan Yarborough just finished up the arbitration process. Who can you comp to Ryan Yarborough from like, 10 years ago, you know, he, he's a starter or reliever or follower. Like he's so versatile, but right. there's just not a, who could you possibly comp Ryan Yerbro to? You can't. So I think in terms of the arbitration process, I think players will try to get a path to it sooner, but I also think just the whole idea of how we value these players in arbitration needs to change and it needs to better represent the modern game. God, that's some knowledge right there. You, I, that brings me to my next question during the winter meetings, you were actually on John boy. I was watching you and you had a quote and it says, quote, I know way more than passing. Please elaborate on, on what, you know, way more than Jeff passing and, and enlighten us. Well, you know, Jeff passing, you know, you see a guy with a blue check Mark on Twitter. You see a guy who, who claims to work for the so-called worldwide leader in sports, but man, yeah. You know, you look at me, I'm a man of the people, you know, and I think that's what it comes down to. You know, I'm, I'm always, you know, trying to keep, 
keep up with the new trends. And, and the thing about Paxton is because his boss is Mickey Mouse, he has to watch what he says and I can say whatever I want. So I can accuse, you know, Jeff Paxton of being Mickey Mickey Mouse is his boss, but I don't have a boss. And that's what that's what makes me superior to Jeff Passan. Another thing about Jeff Passan is that his son is a big Foolish Baseball fan, but I don't know if his son's a big Jeff Passan fan. I think that's a shame. I'm not sure either. We, it's, yeah. not, it's not public information. It's public it's information. Confirmed. He's a big Foolish Baseball guy. That big is Bailey confirmed. guy. That's yeah. confirmed, but it's mm-hmm. not confirmed if he actually likes Jeff Passan. Right. That has not been confirmed. And in fact, you know, perhaps he is some sort of delinquent son who doesn't do his homework. And then that would, in fact, confirm that he does not like Jeff Passan. Right. Right. So there's all sorts of, of domestic stuff going on with uh, with Jeff Passan and you being intertwined. But mm-hmm. I just had to ask that question. I, I, I took note of that when you said it. And I was like, this guy's got some fucking cojones. <laughs> um, Al, do you have anything else? I got one, two more questions. Sorry, Bailey. I've um, been really excited about this. Bailey, how do you feel about the length of, uh, how do you feel about a 162 game season? Yeah, well, so I like it. I mean, I, I, for me, you know, more baseball is good, but there was something that I enjoyed about that 60 game season we just played where there was just such a sense of urgency to every decision when your team lost, like it really hurt because it was the pain of, you know, what was like the equivalent of like 2.7 losses right. in a regular season. And, and it really just felt like we were playing playoff baseball from the get go. So I think a uh, 162 game season is something that I would be negotiable on. I think I tossed out the idea in the video of playing 140 or something like that. I don't think you could possibly have a baseball season under a hundred games because I just don't think that's a big enough sample size to decide who's good and who's not. But right. I do think the shortening the season uh, would not be a, a bad thing for the league necessarily. Yeah. It made games yeah. way more intense. Like if you watch the Dodgers Padres games, those teams hated each other. Like every pitch was, was like a playoff atmosphere. Right. Um, the Dodgers slash Padres will be playing who in the world series. Ooh, well, I see you've already discounted my, my Atlanta Braves. So I've been, uh, listen, I am yeah. a huge, Ronald Acuna is my favorite player in the league. Okay. I'm a huge Atlanta Braves guy. I wanted them to go get like a veteran pitcher. I thought they would have been great getting Lester or something like that. Mm-hmm. Um, just to help with the young pitching. I think, you know, you get another innings either. You can never have enough starting pitching, never have enough weapons, especially when you're going up against, you know, the big boy Dodgers mm-hmm. over there. Um, so if you want to throw in the Braves, that's yeah. fine. You want to say the Braves will be playing who in the World Series? Because the AL is wide open. Yeah. I, you know, they've got to win a playoff game eventually, right? And when they do win a playoff game, they weigh, they may win many playoff games. I'm going to say the Minnesota Twins. Oh, you love the Twins, dude. I do. That, is that I your love team? the Minnesota Twins. No, I, Braves, they're not. Man. I'm a Braves fan, but I just love what the Minnesota Twins do. And I feel bad that they just get kind of exposed in the playoffs every year. But why not? You know, if they can get to the playoffs consistently, which they've done, there's no reason why they can't win a World Series. But isn't isn't what's happening with them? Isn't that kind of what we were talking about as far as this launch angle stuff? Like, I, I liken it to the equivalent of what we're seeing with Giannis and how 
Giannis and the Bucks, they they do really well in the regular season, but the playoffs are just a different beast. And the Twins, when it's a random Tuesday, everybody's you can dropping slap bombs. around the four yeah. starter. Yeah. yeah, they're just hitting bombs everywhere. But then when it's really time to you know put it on the pavement and they're zeroing in on making sure you're not hitting certain pitches and they just disappear. They just disappear. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Well, the thing is, you know, that narrative exists until it doesn't. And I'm, That's you know, true. I'm sure we said the same thing about the Dodgers for the past, mm-hmm. you know, six or seven years and look what happened. So, you know, it may be true, but it's true until it isn't. Maybe the Bucks will win, you know, the NBA title this year, and maybe the Twins will win the World Series. As, again, as long as you can make the playoffs with a good team, I don't see any reason why you can't win. Yeah. My last question, uh, I said it last week on the podcast, it's pitchers and catchers are reporting this week. It's podcasters are also reporting for the start of the season. We're getting our brains greased up. We're getting ready. We're getting ready to go. What is coming for foolish baseball for this season? How have you prepared to have just a monster 2021? Yeah. Well, so I think one thing that baseball YouTubers see is that we do better when baseball's on, particularly when Major League Baseball is on. So I'm hoping that the algorithm will give me a, a boost uh, going into the summer. 2019, which was the last full season we played, was just a huge year for baseball, YouTube in general. So many channels emerged, uh, particularly John Boy, like we talked about earlier. For me, it means, you know, uh, really just getting into the grind of putting out baseball bits consistently while also trying to grow this second channel of mine, Foolish Bailey. Gonna have to do that simultaneously. And, um, I'm really hoping that by April, as baseball's kicking off, that I will have merchandise as well for Foolish Baseball available for the first time. So I'm working on that. My lips are sealed uh, as far as the details, but uh, I think it's going to be a pretty exciting launch. Wow. Two channels, one man. I love it. I love it. Al, you got anything else for our guy here? No, this has been great. This has been great, man. I think that you know, we like to, on this show, when we have people on, we, we, we got into it a little bit, but we do like to talk about how people got to where they got to. And and for those that are listening that are still interested in doing something within baseball, just always a reminder to, to think outside the box. I think uh, the, the issue is when we talk about the oversaturation and all this content, it's, it's the issue is all this similar content. When you go to Foolish Baseball, I, I didn't even know what to call it. When I was watching the videos, I was like, this is like a hybrid of a documentary, but it's not. And the point is, being able to identify something that you can do that you don't think um, other people are going to be able to do and be able to do it really well. I don't know. We didn't really get into your video editing skills, but I, what we can assume that they've just continued to get better and continue to improve. And it shows, man, you put out quality content that you're not hearing everywhere else. And that's the tough part. Look, you can throw on MLB network or ESPN and hear about the top shortstops and things like that, but it's about, thinking outside the box and putting out a quality product. And that's what foolish baseball does. Oh man, that, that is so kind of you to say, and, and just to sort of piggyback off of it, I would say in terms of thinking outside the box, you know, I, you know, I don't know how to code, you know, I, I didn't go to an Ivy league school. I probably wouldn't be, you know, a baseball GM, you know, I can write some, but there's some, you know, from my experiences of, writing a team essay for baseball prospectus. I know I'm not, you know, a professional writer, but what happened for me is that I had a bunch of seemingly disparate skill sets, you know, knowledge of baseball saber metrics, knowledge of video editing. And I was just able to sort of just combine those skill sets and, and to find something that works best for me. And now I think with baseball bits, 
it just comes down to the fact that if you're doing something unique, you have no competition. Mm -hmm. And um, I really think I'm creating something that only I would be capable of creating. Right. It's unique. It's absolutely unique. And uh, it's something that the content world needs more of. It's not cookie cutter bullshit. So mm-hmm. I love it. I love it. Uh, Foolish Bailey, you're welcome on anytime. You are at Foolish BB on Twitter, correct? Correct. And then at Foolish Baseball YouTube channel. Yeah. Just Google me. It'll show up. It'll be easy to find. Yeah. 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 Our guy's big time. All right, man. Well, this was awesome. Really appreciate it again. You're welcome on anytime. All right. Thanks, guys. Thank you. Thank you for listening to Believe. You can show support to your host by subscribing to the show and giving us a five-star rating on your preferred platform. Check us out at Believe.com and search for B-L-E-A-V on YouTube.